obviously, you know, it, it's correct. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that have happened, uh, and we've discussed this previous, previously with you, which is the big reset, and also the sort of immigration of, of our young people. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, up to up to the last number of months, uh, you know, employees had several choices, and the, and they they wanted to go for full working from home, and then most recently, uh, because it's a big change. Uh, hybrid hybrid type uh, environment whereby they've got two to three days, but uh, with the tech sort of uh, bubble bursting and, and lots of redundancies, I see a big sort of uh, shift going forward in terms of the pendulum, whereby you know if you look at some of the big tech companies in the states and even Disney now they're saying we want everybody back four days per week. So I think there's a move uh, towards you know uh, two to three days, but maybe even four days going forward in terms of having people back in the office. You know. Okay, uh, so the le- less flexibility, I guess, in a sense. So we'll return to that particular theme in just a while. Adam, what did you make of what you saw in the, the Morgan McKinley report? Um, the, the Morgan McKinley report, um, yeah, it was interesting. It was not, not, not shocking because if you break it down, right, there was a, uh, there's a decrease from November, in November to December. But that's that's a seasonal adjustment decrease. And if you look at it in comparison to the previous year, which they brought out was there's there's been an increase on jobs December on December by about 30 percent. So you have to look at the whole report um, in, in terms of Ireland specifically. And Ireland is living in a little bit of a pre-recession situation at the moment, which, uh, you know, is is we are going to be affected by by worldwide stuff but at the moment the the employment market in ireland is still very very strong and even on the technical side uh which joe mentioned about a tech bubble uh you know tech companies all laying people off the, the all you're hearing in the press constantly is of the larger organizations that are laying people off but there's a very very strong indigenous tech industry in ireland that is absolutely thriving. So you have to take it in context of overall, and then what's happening in Ireland. But but what was what was said about the construction side is is very very much definite. There's a major lack of of employees in in the construction side, specifically for um, you know the trades, and specifically for um, like myself. I've been trying to get a house extension done for the last year and a half, trying to get a builder to turn up. To even give you a price, never mind anything else, is difficult. So they're run off their feet. But if you look at a year on year, um, the job vacancies in Ireland at this moment in time are up thirty percent. Yeah, and just you mentioned construction there, Adam. I mean, the uh, Morgan McKinley are saying that you know, I guess attention will focus on the construction market this year. You've highlighted an issue we have frequently spoken about: the lack of. Uh, you know, uh, I suppose options in terms of workers within within the sector. The report highlights one in four construction jobs are vacant. Uh, it's so important, I guess, to fill these as as quickly as possible. You know, we could be in particular with the backdrop of the housing crisis and to to live up to the government's housing for all plan. How likely do you think it is that there will be some sort of upturn in terms of recruitment within that sector, though, in twenty twenty three? Well, traditionally, when we've had a need for construction workers back in the back in the sort of the the noughties, uh, when we required a major amount of construction, we had sort of Eastern European employees coming in from Poland and various other places, which sort of kept that balance going very, very well. Um, a lot of them, as you know, in 2008, returned to Poland, which left a hole within within the actual 
sector itself, it didn't appear to be that big a sector, a uh, sectoral problem, because you know, obviously things have slowed down from a construction perspective. But, you know, not to mention housing crisis and all that sort of stuff again, but it, it is one sector that that is struggling to, to find people. Um, and even the tech sector, like if you look at us, like as, as an organization, we've expanded from 12 to 50 people in the last number of years. Um, they, you know, getting good technical employees within Ireland is difficult, but it brings it back to the hybrid and remote working stuff. And there was a really, really interesting uh, um, uh, piece put out in LinkedIn yesterday by Ryan, uh, I think his name is Gossensky, um, who is the CEO of LinkedIn. And he he was saying on LinkedIn, the pre-pandemic, uh, that 1% of all jobs posted on LinkedIn were remote pre-pandemic. And as of today, that the number is 14%. But that's not the fascinating point. This is what exactly what he said. It's what's fascinating is that north of 50% of all job applications on a daily basis on LinkedIn uh, go to the 14% of remote jobs. So employers in general, I know that there's this wave of people saying people are going back into the in, in, into the office and people are insisting them go back into the office. But if there's trust by employees, we, we, we had an absolutely amazing situation around COVID where people could cope and could work from home. Um, and a lot of people, you know, you've heard people talk about, you know, the, the quiet resignation and all that sort of stuff. But uh, bringing people back into the workplace isn't really a good idea at the moment if you've already set this precedent that they can work from home, people will start looking for other jobs. So, you know, the, the remote working thing isn't going away. Um, people, the employees still have a preference to do that. Um, and, you know, how, how employers need to reflect that is in regards to the packages that they give to their employees. And we're not just talking about salary. We're talking about flexible working. We're talking about being able to work from home, uh, you know, uh, all of these things, there's a massive value to that. So some people will take even lesser salaries if they are remote working and employers have to really continue on to encourage this. And it's down to one element and it's how you interact with your employees and how how you want your employees to behave. Um, and if you set out a good trust between the employee and the employer, remote working is still absolutely fly it at the moment and uh, i i would i would get employers to really reconsider if they're dragging people back into the office and they don't need to why are they doing this okay very interesting point and i guess how does that tally up then joe what you were saying about seeing that big shift back towards less flexibility and never mind a two to three day hybrid working week but maybe a one to four where you're spending four days in the office it sounds like that isn't compatible with what adam is outlining um I, I, you know, there's there's anecdotal evidence, and 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 you know what Adam said is obviously correct. But there's anecdotal evidence to say that you know during the pandemic, when everybody's working from home, everybody was buzzed. The productivity is sky high, and all the rest of it. We know uh, from the quiet quitting um, uh, that productivity has dropped. Uh, people are not as engaged as they used to be, and and obviously Adam's points are right in terms of the employee engagement and and the management and and all the rest of it. But the bottom line is, from from um, a productivity point of view, that that has decreased, and and there's no and and there's you know there's no doubt about that. And that is why you know a lot of the tech companies who had probably too many people during the pandemic are letting them go, 
and also then uh, wanting people to come back to the office for, for the productivity. But, you know, there's more than that as well. There's in training development and there's people, in, you know, being emotionally and intellectually engaged and, you know, and all the rest of it. And, and you know, creating an environment where people can go beyond in work and, and, and then get promoted and grow their careers. So, like, you know, there's also evidence to say that if you're working from home, you know, you, you, your, your career doesn't doesn't grow. So, you know, um, there's obviously a balance there somewhere, uh, but you know there is a rebalancing right now from from something that didn't work fully uh, in the past. Okay, and Adam, just to go back to you on that, then the point Joe's yeah. making about that big shift towards less flexibility, and as he says, you know, maybe there was less productivity when more people were remote working, and that there would be that shift towards maybe four days a week in the office, it doesn't sound like that's going to really go hand in hand with uh, the fact that the the flexibility, which the Morgan McKinley report highlights, continues to be key in terms of securing employees. Uh, what, what do you, what's your take on that? Um, but prior to the pandemic, uh, we, as a company, give us, a, leave us as an example, HR Locker. We're a completely remote first company and have been prior to the pandemic. And if you don't believe me, people can Google Adam Coleman Disrupt HR and they can see me talking about it in 2018 prior to the actual pandemic happening. Um, it's it's about getting the systems right, getting the grooves, the habits in situ uh, for, for remote working to work. Um, there's organisations like Grow Remote, which I've been involved with for forever um, and who've been encouraging it well before the pandemic. Um, it's a mind shift for employers. It's not a drastic mind shift. Um, like we we use Microsoft Teams all the time. We have calls every single morning. It's inbuilt into how people work and people can work from anywhere. To, to the point, right, I was concerned because we grew from 12 to 50 employees uh, over an 18 month period. And I was concerned last year that, you know, um, I wanted to bring everybody together at least once or twice a year. So I thought that there might be another lockdown. So I got into a camper van and I drove all the way around Europe, between Ireland, UK, Spain, Portugal, and all the way back uh, to meet all the employees to make sure three things. One was that I got buy-in from everybody. Two was to prove that, you know, work was no longer a place that you could work for anywhere. I was actually working at a Type 2 Volkswagen camper van. And also the third one, was basically to check out the four-day working week. Now, to be fair, guys, I failed miserably personally on the four-day working week. Um, but our company, when I spoke to all the employees, weren't ready for that. The four-day working week is 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 a real option for companies that are fairly well steady state. We're not at the right economic stage of our of our existence. But when we came back, we saw that it was so important. So we automatically give everybody an extra five days holidays. So there are things that can be done. To, to improve it. Like I would ask employers to think, if you're dragging people back to the office, why are you doing it? Is it because what's happened before or is it because that you didn't put the right systems in situ in order to make remote working or hybrid working work effectively within your business? And that's what employees want. They want the flexibility. They, they want to be able to, you know, work from anywhere, if you want to call it that. Um, there are security elements to be looked at on that basis, and they can all be easily and very cost effectively dealt with with VPNs and stuff like that. It is not outrageous amount of money. All it means is to look at the mindset. And if you haven't got your productivity up during COVID, it's not because people don't want it. It's because basically you haven't addressed 
how to remote work or how to hybrid work effectively and communicate that with your staff. So I think it's hugely important because at the end of the day, packages need to be made up of basic salary, flexibility of work, and various other bits and pieces that employees actually want. Then just on that, Joe, uh, do you think employers are are offering competitive working environments, not just in terms of flexible working conditions, but uh, as Adam says, uh, salary and the other, bit, other bits and pieces, even, you know, annual leave. You mentioned uh, HR Locker gave their employees an extra five days annual leave. Now, um our, I think our discussion is very narrow now, Alan, in terms of maybe the tech sector, because in the, you know, Ireland is a, is a, diver, is a very diverse um, uh, employment um, um, environment. And, you know, the medical device pharma companies, they have all done really, really well during the pandemic. And most of those have been working full, full five days a week uh, on site and their support staff have mostly been working on site as well so you know um it, it's a narrow discussion we're having right now but but in terms of that you know what we're finding is is, is similar to Morgan Kenley and also very similar to what what Alan is say, uh, what, what what um Adam is saying is that you know with the right environment uh people can generally flourish and with the wrong environment people don't and that's why they look for other positions and generally speaking when they're looking for other positions they're looking for you know the whole package not just the the salary but but also the working from home if possible what support services are there uh training and development obviously the amount of holidays etc so all of those factors have come into play in the, in the last number of months and and you know people do have choice and people will exercise the choice if they don't feel comfortable where they are right now. Okay, Adam, another point, I guess, in terms of flexibility is, you know, we're seeing a lot of our our young people, a lot of young, bright talent emigrating um, in a number of different sectors. Do you think flexibility in working arrangements could play any sort of part or important role in in slowing down that exodus, in convincing some young people that (coughs) actually know their futures do lie in Ireland because there's the flexibility to work from wherever? Um, I think, you know, uh, and and just to double down on what Joe says, and I agree with Joe as well, by the way, you know, there are, we say, if you take the retail sector, you take the um, uh, tourism sector, it's not always possible to work from home in those sectors. And Joe is right to, to bring up those points. I would completely agree with them. In regards to the young people, it's an interesting one, right? Um, I don't know about the rest of you out there, but when I graduated from college, um, you know, I wanted to meet my employee. I wanted to meet my colleagues, and I think uh, a huge amount of percentage of people meet their their partners at work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And people say, "Oh, well, you can't do that in a remote working environment." And if it was me and I was a graduate, I would. I'd like a mix of it. The graduates now are different than they were. The the um, the ge- generation Zs are very very different than Generation Xs and the millennials and whatever. They want different things. They want they want to work in companies that uh, have have a mission, and they want to be part of it. And they they're into sustainability and they're interested in the flexibility and, and the freedom. Um, so some of them will want to go work in companies for sure, but others do really like the flexibility. Like I, I know myself, we've we have a, a graduate academy. We've hired uh, I think it's about ten graduates in the last nine months. We're very very careful of who we select on a graduate perspective that they understand what remote working is about and what it actually means. And are they up for it? And does their lifestyle warrant it? Like, for instance, 
you know, we're based in the Hinch, as you're probably aware. The best thing that I can come up with is if I'm looking for a developer and I find a guy with five years experience who loves surfing, like, I mean, he can work from anywhere. He, he or she is made, you know. But on the other hand, if 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 they're more city going people and, you know, and they they want to get involved and meet, it, it really depends. There's a good mix. And I think the Gen Z's are dictating that at the moment. Uh, you know, and my own daughter graduated last uh, last tw- uh, twelve, just in, uh, just after the pandemic, as it works out, and she went to work with a large tech company in Dublin, and um, she she was remote working completely, and now she's back in the office a couple of days a week, um, and she likes the mix of it. So I think it really depends. But to get back to your point, I suppose about can we stop them from going abroad? Um, I always give the advice that I gave it to my kids was that get your place in college, take a year off, go traveling, get your job or during college, take a year off. So they, they have an awful lot better capability of traveling, etc. So you're not going to stop graduates from going abroad, but can graduates get, re- if they're using it as an excuse, oh, I'm going abroad because I can't get decent jobs in Ireland. I don't think that's the fact. I think there are really good jobs in Ireland as well. And you're always going to get the percentage who want to go abroad. From my perspective, let them go abroad. Let's hire them when they come back with more experience, even better. I so I think I, I think it's a mix. Uh, just before I go back to Joe, Adam, just on that point, you know, we're asking: is could flexible working arrangements convince young Irish people to stay here? Uh, maybe be, that flexibility could actually. Uh, young people may look at that and go, well, actually, I could work for a company in Ireland, but, you know, like you did, you you were, you were worked from tw- 23 different locations across four countries in six weeks, in that example you, you outlined when you went around to all your employees. An Irish young Irish person could go to Australia and still work for an Irish company. Just do it remotely. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Now, to be fair to, to Joe would probably know more about the the the. The graduate stuff. I, I, I'm in a bit of a chasm here in terms of we are a tech company. We are expanding. We're not laying people off. So, uh, and there's a lot of Irish indigenous tech companies who are like that. So, what I would encourage the graduates to do is to look at Irish indigenous tech companies and not necessarily uh, all go running to the large tech companies um, that are multinational. Joe would have a better understanding of what the graduates need because he's probably dealing with more companies than I am, you know, in this area. So. Um, you know, but in general, of course, uh, they, they can do it. We, we've had requests from individuals who joined us as graduates who want to go working. They want to stay in, in the company and want to go to Southeast Asia for a month. Um, once they tell us where they're going, once they're logging in from a secure location, of course, it can happen. But it also depends on the behavior of the individual. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from our perspective, we've got a really strong set of principles and behaviors within the business that people know how we want them to work. So, so it's all about the communication around that element. OK, Joe, uh, Joe your, your thoughts on that then? I mean, could flexibility in working arrangements help slow down the exodus of young people emigrating? Um, that latter point I made to Adam, the, the, if there's flexibility offered, could that just see young Irish people going abroad and saying, well, I can work for you, but I can do it from Canada or the United States or Australia or wherever? I mean, in terms of the companies you're dealing with, what, what, what would you say? OK, so, um, Alan, if you remember, <clears throat> I was on your programme some months back when the National Youth Council of Ireland had did a, a survey which said that 
I think it was 70% of 18 to 24-year-olds are, are immigrating, okay? And, you know, what we haven't discussed, and, and the reason for that really is this. The, our young people have been locked, locked down in, and, and in, in, during the pandemic. Uh, you know, the cost of living in terms of accommodation is massive. Uh, expenses are, were, were very, very high. And they wanted, they wanted to experience a new life. And, and that's, you know, if the majority of, of, of those uh, graduates want to experience, you know, as I said, they're in lockdown. They want to experience a new life. Uh, and that's why they're going in their droves to, you know, the US, Canada, and especially Australia. So, the, you know, and, and as Adam said, they're going to get really, really good experience. And they're going to come back and they're going to add value to our, to our economy. But right now, there's not the accommodation that's, uh, that's there for people to stay, irregardless of, of, of work from home or flexibility or all the rest of it they're going abroad for, for the right sort of reasons as far as I'm concerned and they're going to come back and hopefully the accommodation crisis may, may be solved in the next number of years whereby they can add value to our uh, our economy and so I don't think it's that to do with the offering here, here, here in Ireland in terms of flexibility etc it's about getting a new experience which I would be to- in total favour of especially those graduates come and ask me for advice and guidance I'd always say to them go abroad get a, get a bit of experience enjoy life and come back and add value to the economy. Okay, so there's not really much uh, companies can do to keep young people here in terms of remuneration or flexibility because uh, post-pandemic, as you were saying, Joe, they, they just want to get out there and experience the world. Exactly, exactly. You know, and maybe... Uh, and, um, uh, I'm in the market myself for a camper van, so I might talk to Adam about <laughs> borrowing a camper van to travel around the world myself uh, in, in the next couple of years. But, you know, um, people just want to get out. Uh, you know, they've been, a lot of people have been stung or hurt or, or, or some way influenced by, by the pandemic. And, and the kids, the, our graduates now, did, you know, they're, they're well educated, they're well able to travel. And it's, it's an education in itself and an experience in itself. And, and I, I would always, always encourage it, you know. Okay, you mentioned, you know, cost of living and so on, and that just uh, to touch on those issues, that the housing, the cost of living challenges, they're having a big impact on hiring processes, according to the Morgan McKinley report, Joe. Uh, in some sectors, employers are paying for short-term accommodation, many of them also starting to request local candidates only to try and mitigate against housing challenges that face employees, and that's including talent transferring across the country, as there's a concern they won't be able to secure accommodation. Are these really serious issues? And, you know, in terms of companies you deal with through career-wise, are, are, are you finding these are issues that are cropping up? Yes, absolutely, Alan. And I've been on your programme you know, numerous times and, and saying the very, very same thing, that for me, the biggest issue right now is the accommodation crisis. You know, I think I saw a report by Daft last week or something which said there was, I think it was, it, there was either only 40 or 400 properties for rent all across Ireland, all across Ireland. You know, landlords are getting out of the the, um, um, the the tenancy type thing and selling properties, and and there's a serious shortage. And then and the shortage also um, is due to inflation around um, materials and all the rest of it for for for, for building. Um, so yes, accommodation for me is the number one issue. Um, uh, and it's going to be because you know that doesn't get solved very quickly. Um, and so it's difficult for people to move uh, locations because they're not the accommodation. We can't bring people in from abroad, uh, especially with high skills, because it's not the accommodation. And the companies may, be, may become very, very creative um, in terms of putting people up in hotels for a certain period of time, etc. Um, but again, you know, the hot- a lot of the hotels have been used for, for um, 
for for Ukrainian uh, people to stay. So, yeah. like, there is there's a big problem um, right right across the whole accommodation um, uh, platform. And, uh, and to be honest, I don't see it getting solved quickly, you know. Um, so it's, for me, it's the number one issue, Alan. Yeah, okay. We do have and to... Alan, leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah very second, quickly, Adam, yeah. Don't mind. Okay. Um, also, we, we find it on a remote working perspective as well, because like if if, if, if kids are actually want to join us, younger, younger employees want to join us, they have to have a secure place to, to work from as well. And if they're particularly abroad uh, uh, or whatever you know, are, are in Ireland, um, they find it hard to do that. On the other side of stuff, though, guys, uh, the, I, we have it. Just so you know, we have a video coming out documenting that whole tour last year. Uh, it's coming out at the end of this month. So, if anybody wants to have a, 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 a look at that, they can follow us at hrlocker.com as well. 